Welcome to another distinct nostalgia by MIM. Brought to you in partnership with Life Rooms and Mersey Care NHS Foundation Trust. Staying well, staying home. Our retro soap instalment makes its debut in Yorkshire this time, with our first interview celebrating Emmerdale. It's nearly 50 years since Emmerdale Farm, as it was known back then, first began as a daytime soap. It started on the 16th of October 1972 at half past one in the afternoon. The characters and everyday story of farming folk became very popular quite quickly, and as it took off, Emmerdale was gradually given more prestigious slots in different ITV regions until 7pm on Tuesdays and Thursdays became its regular home everywhere. In 1980, Jean Rogers was cast as the new actress to play Dolly, who was married to Matt Skilbeck, portrayed by Emmerdale original Frederick Pine. Replacing an actor in a British soap was relatively unusual, and so Jean didn't quite know how she'd be received. She's been reminiscing about her time on the show with Ashley. Enjoy! Okay then, well let's kick things off. I mean, I want to call you Dolly, of course, rather than Jean, because I grew up with Dolly Skillback on the TV in Yorkshire, because uh, I came from the Yorkshire area, and your Emmerdale was our, was our soap opera. Take us back right to... The very beginning, just before you arrived in Emmerdale, what other kind of work had you been doing? Yes, well, I started off in theatre um, and, uh, you know, um, repertory theatre. I did two solid years of working continually in theatre. And then I went to Chichester to the Festival Theatre and was part of Laurence Olivier's company for two years and was also one of the founder members of the Royal National Theatre when it started. So that was all very exciting. Um, But during that time, I got married, and then um, I got pregnant, which was when I was in Crossroads for three months. So I came out. Um, And suddenly... Who did you play in Crossroads? Julie Shepherd, which is a funny link, really, as I played a shepherd's wife in uh, Emmerdale but anyway it was called she was called Julie Shepherd and she um she was a guest at the motel and she was jilted there was going to be the wedding that's why she was there and her parents were there and all the friends and he didn't turn up and Julie ended up being Meg Richardson's secretary and uh, so I was in that position in the motel until it blew up, um, which was a way for them to get a new set. <laughs> but unfortunately, as I was pregnant, and at that time you had to have a smallpox vaccination if you went on a plane, and my character was going to go off into the desert with um, Meg Richardson and this guy who was the manager, and it was going to be the love interest. So I'm afraid my son got in the way of that. Um, And so after that, I kind of, it was difficult really to contemplate doing theatre really. Though when he was 10 months old, I did work for Alan Akebourne and uh, I played Dorothy in The Wizard of Oz in a production he did at York. And then he introduced me to doing a bit of radio because he was also um, directing radio, um, Leeds, he was at Leeds. 
So um, that gave me the opportunity with two, eventually two babies, to be able to work continually, doing Listen with Mother, playing Little Boys, Little Girls, World Service, Radio 4, you name it. So before we go on to Emmerdale, let's just go back to Crossroads for a second. So you were Meg's assistant. So you were working pretty closely with Noel Gordon. And she was the queen of Crossroads, wasn't she? She was lovely. She was quite grand. But having said that, I mean, we, we had this, um, we were at Pebble Mill um, for, for the rehearsals. And um, she, there was a, a green room, which was a very long one. And at the end, she had her big armchair where she sat like a queen on the throne. And we all sort of gathered round her and chatted to her and everything. But, but there was no side with her. She wasn't... Um, you know, because I understand that Coronation Street at one point, they had little cubicles for everybody, maybe to help them learn their words, I don't know. But it was never like that in Emmerdale. And it certainly wasn't like that in Crossroads. And um, she was so lovely because when Jeremy, that's my son, was born, well, because I had to leave, because I was pregnant, she said, oh, let me know when, it, when you have the baby, let me know. And so I did. And this white bunny rabbit arrived from her and she had someone in the village that used to make these soft toys and she'd send them off to all the people that she knew who were having babies. But there's a lovely link up with that because when I was in Emmerdale, um, I had this job sort of on a Friday night where busloads of people would come to Bradford to this hotel and I would have a meal with them and sign things and all that was going on. This was while I was still in the show. But it was obviously meeting me, not Dolly. And uh, there was this um, coach load from ross on and I said, oh... Oh, you're from Ross on Wire, said Meg. You know, um, Noel Gordon lived there and so on. And, and I told them the story of this bunny rabbit. And this woman said, that's me. I made that bunny rabbit. So isn't that amazing? Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> so what was it like working on Crossroads? Because, of course, Emmerdale was, when you got on to Emmerdale, it was two, it was two episodes a week. Uh, and I know you, Emmerdale always had a break. But in Crossroads... They were doing multiple episodes long before the other soaps were doing multiple episodes, weren't they? I suppose so. I mean, they rattled through them. And and the, it was a crime to stop <laughs> when you were in the studio. So everybody was geared up just to keep going because there was something about, about the tape was very valuable. I don't think it's tape, but whatever they were recording on was very valuable. And so, that you know, that, that was... You, you just didn't stop. Yeah, it, it was it was interesting and it was there were nice people. It was nice people. Fabulous, fabulous. And there were obviously other characters in there. It was obviously there was um, Noel Gordon as Meg and there was uh, people like Amy was Amy Turtle in it when you were there. Were there oh, was yes, she, she was, yes. And she said to me one day, she said, Oh, she said, cure and perfume, what is it? And I said, Oh, it's um intimate and she said, Oh, oh intimate. It smells like cat's pee on me. <laughs> yeah, that was... And who else was in it? The one lady who played Miss Tatum? Miss Tatum. Actually, it's so long ago, Ashley. Um, Huey McPhee? No. Sue was there. Sue uh, Hansen. She was, she was in it. Um, 
Miss Diane, Miss Diane. Yeah, Miss Diane, yeah. I, I had quite a few scenes with her, I seem to remember. Um, and who was the lovely man who was Jim Zinn? Do you remember, do you, would you know what I meant when I talk about Jim Zinn? Yeah, it was a, it was a, an ITV programme where they looked at products and things. Oh, someone will know. Someone out there will know. In that, in that period, there was obviously, there was um, Ronald ha Allen, of course, as David Hunter. He was in it, of course. And there was, uh, there was um, Tony Adams as Adam Chance, of course. Yes, he was there, yes. And Jill, and, and of course, Jane Rosington as Jill, of course. That was the, uh, the main ones. And, and I think that uh, was the guy who played Sandy. Was he still around? Yes, yes. I'm not sure he... No, he, yes, his character was in the wheelchair. But yeah. sadly, he ended up in a wheelchair, didn't he? Which is awful. Yeah, Roger, Roger Tong, yeah, Roger Tong. Yes, yeah. So you went, so you went out in a in a big explosion. Yes, I did. <laughs> anyway, so you, so, you, so you left Crossroads, but obviously, baptism of fire working on on that program. So how did Emmerdale come about then? Well, I was doing all this radio work. I did about fifteen hundred broadcasts, actually. You know, with in plays and and. Poetry Corner for seven and eight-year-olds. Um, let me think, well, how did it come about? Well, I had a new agent then, and and he saw, unbeknown to me, that the character of Dolly uh, was going to be recast, which, of course, was unusual, um, unusual for us to do it. They'd done it in the American soap, hadn't they? Um, so... He put me up for the part and then there was a strike and so he never told me about it. And then about three or four months later, he told me that there was a, an interview and I went up with 50 others for it and then was on a short list of six. So we all must have looked a bit like Catherine, who played it before. Um, yeah, and then I... I got the part, but sadly my mum was dying at the time of leukaemia, so it was a kind of bittersweet time for me. Yeah, I can imagine, and of course, and we'll talk in a moment, but the role became quite serious as well, because Matt and Dolly had some serious things to deal with, didn't they? But we'll, we'll talk about that in a moment. In terms of the part, though, I do remember it being quite a big thing, because, um, as you say, people hadn't replaced characters before in soaps, generally in the UK, and I remember thinking... At the time, I was only a little boy of seven or eight or something. But I remember thinking, I remember Dolly's looking one way and then she suddenly looks a different way. But actually, it worked rather well. You, the people became used to you quite quickly, didn't they? Yes. There was a lot of sort of chatter at the beginning, you know. Mm -hmm. But, and the, and the thing was, that this again was very funny in on reflection. The way that they did it was they sent the character off for um, convalescence because she'd had a stillbirth. So the idea was she wouldn't be on the, sea, on the screen for a couple of months so that when I stepped out of the car, having come back from the convalescent home, that they would be, you know, and I was dressed in the clothes that Catherine had. That was a mistake 
because they had a really big budget when I first came in for wardrobe. And I said, you know, being the professional that I like to think I am, no, 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 it'll be bad enough them getting used to the face, but at least the clothes, you know, you can't have her wearing different things. So, of course, a year later, I'm desperate for clothes that really fit me and they haven't got the budget. But as I say, that's another story. Um, Anyway, the the strike happened, and so that was fine. But they played old <laughs> episodes during the the strike, so Catherine was on screen almost up until I appeared, <laughs> because you know. So that that was a plan that didn't quite work out. Why did Why did Catherine leave? What was the reason? You know, she had two sons. Um, who were a bit older than my two children. And I think her husband, who was also an actor, and an actor I've, I've um, been in theatre with since, he, um, he wasn't very well. And I think she found recording up in Yorkshire and living down south, which, which was the same for me, was, was a little bit too much of a strain and she decided that she wanted to come out of the series. And because Matt, Matt, the character, had lost a wife and twins in a car accident and now was happily married to Dolly, who nonetheless was finding it difficult to have babies, um, they decided it'd be better to recast than give him another tragedy. I remember all this vividly. It's all coming back to me. Is it? <laughs> what? Um, <laughs> so, because uh, I, I grew up in Yorkshire. I, I'm from Doncaster. Oh, right. Now, at that point, of course, it was only, it was two episodes a week. And people often called it, you know, the, the, the sleepy soap. Um, you know, it was quite a, it was quite a laid back kind of program. Yes, there were serious stories in it, but it was, you know, it wasn't lots of action kind of stuff. It was a gentle program, wasn't it? Did you, did you know much about it before you came into it? I, I hadn't watched it. I remember when I spoke to my mother, more or less the last time I went down to the hospital in Worthing, because I was living in London, um, to see her. And I said to her, oh, I'm, I'm on a short list for this character. And she said, oh, she said, Dolly. She said, oh, yes, yes, you do look like her. Oh, that, and she was really sort of, very thrilled about it um and apparently she said to my father you know Jean doesn't think because I said oh well you know I've got this recall but I'm you know I'm not sure that I'll get it and anyway they recorded up up in Yorkshire you know anyway apparently she did say to him Jean doesn't think she's going to get it but I think she will and yeah but sadly she died before I knew that but that must mean a lot now, looking back, to uh, actually know that she approved of it and was looking forward to you actually being in the show. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And, you know, the other thing, though, that was sad was my mother was so supportive of me in my career. I mean, with the family, because in that time they said, oh, why is she going to drama school? She'll only get married and have babies. And um, she said, no, 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 she wants to do it. And, you know, I got a scholarship and all that sort of thing, which they had then. So and then she she listened to all the the things that I did on radio. She she came to the National Theatre and watched me when I was in 
in um, Hamlet, which Peter O'Toole was in. And, and she, I mean, it wasn't her scene. I mean, the soaps were more her scene, not, not going to, to, you know, to see um, Shakespeare on stage. And then she, she listened to the World Service when I played Cosette in Les Miserables. She, she was so supportive. But if she'd have seen me in Emmerdale, she'd have just been over the moon. And then to come up, like my father did, come up and meet people from the show, the characters. She, you know, she missed out on that. My mum died last year and she was, she was my, she was my biggest champion. You know what I mean? Yeah. I present, I present witness on the world service quite a bit. And she, she would literally listen to every single word, write it all down and recite it to me afterwards. And I'm like, I'd like to say to her, mum, I did make it. I did produce it. <laughs> I did present <laughs> I it. I do know. <laughs> But you know that's what she was like, and she was you know. So it's that it's lovely to have that kind of that kind of chat. But that's what mums do, isn't it? Mums oh, are absolutely. your biggest champion at the end of the day. You know. If your mum doesn't champion you, I feel so sorry for people who don't have parents that champion them because you know exactly it's a good exactly. start. It's, imp- <laughs> it's very important. It's very important. Um, so going back to Emmerdale, so you arrived at Emmerdale, and 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 obviously I know that the the inside pro scenes are done in. At Kirkstall Road in Leeds, but of course it was very much a program that made lot of use of the outside, wasn't it? Oh, you yeah. were outside a lot, filming and all the rest of it. It was quite a big thing, wasn't it? In that sense, and farming was very much part of it. Did you did you know what you were letting yourself in for when it came to that side of things? Because they like you'd like to get people's. I mean, more so probably the guys, but they did like people to be part of the farming side of things, didn't they? Well. It never worried me, the thought of what I had to do, really. As long as I didn't have to go down in a submarine or something, I think... Because I I did a programme called Watch for the BBC, which was aimed at seven- and eight-year-olds, and that was my going back into television, really, while I was still doing radio stuff, because that was under the school's television as opposed to school's radio. And they did, when they interviewed me, they said, what wouldn't you like to do? Because this programme, we do things as well as make things and tell stories and all that. Uh, I said, as long as I don't go down a submarine, I I really don't think I could bear that. Anyway, my first day on shoot was on location and I was strapped in um, on a glider. And the guy who was the pilot was also the sound engineer. And he strapped me in and he gave me this, um, you know, parachute. And he said, it's not much use, he said, because it won't, you, we're not going high enough for you, you to be able to use it. And I thought, what am I doing? I was sitting in the back of this and we were, it was on a catapult. The second time we went up, we were towed behind a little biplane, but... First of all, it was on a catapult. It went boom, right off like that. Actually, it was quite magical. It was quite magical, but very noisy. So, and also on watch, I had to do a scene on a beach and talk about worms, you know, um, lugworms and those kind of things that you use for fishing. And my brother, who was three years younger than me, used to go and dig up lugworms at Shoreham Harbour and put them in the fridge and then dangle them in front of me. And I hated them. They were all all horrid. 
And when they said action and I had to pick one up, it didn't bother me. I did it. But the thought of it was pretty awful. So I ended up dipping sheep, milking cows on those funny contraptions. Yeah. And you had to learn learn how to do all that? Oh, yes. Yes. Dipping sheep was awfully difficult because you have to push... I had to push them down into the sheep dip. And Freddie playing Matt was the other end. Oh, God, it was exhausting because those sheep are really big and muscly <laughs> and they didn't want to go under that horrible, horrible, smelly stuff. But, yeah. And, 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 and cows can be quite temperamental as well, can't well, they? You, you know, I'm sure people have told you, you watch out for the tail going horizontal because you know then you'll get deluged, so you move out quickly. <laughs> but the cameraman... Well, well, we didn't have, I think we had one camera woman um, used to know that too. So everybody stood by to jump out of the way. Yeah. Smelly though. That was what was good about it though, wasn't it? Well, it was authentic. You know, you were actually there, you were doing the stuff. Now, your husband in it, Matt, played by Freddie, Freddie Pine, he was quite a dour sort of character, wasn't he? He he didn't smile a lot, did he, Matt? (laughs) <laughs> Salt of the earth, we all said about Matt. <laughs> yes, yeah. What was it like playing with, with Freddie? Uh, Freddie's so professional and he was so, he was so welcoming in his own quiet way. Um, you know, I've kept in touch with him ever since. In fact, I was talking to him only a couple of days ago um, because he got me, he got me to... Um, stand for equity for the council and um, so I ended up doing about 24 years on the council and 10 years as vice president of of equity you know and I'm still very involved with it all. So you're in this program which at the time was 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 very popular I mean it wasn't probably as big as it is now because it's become such a huge thing but in those days, it was very popular. It had a daytime audience, it had an evening audience with some, some people as well. Um, so it was a regular, you know, so people had got used to the characters, you know, people like um, Annie and um, Grandad and Amos and Mr. Wilkes. They've been in it for a long time and Joe and all the rest of it. So you were going to, into something that was pretty well established, really. Oh, absolutely. I mean, what, what, what was that like? I mean, was it, was it easy to get your feet under the table or was it, was it difficult to sort of feel comfortable in that? setting do you know I was I, I remember the first once I'd been I, I was there for the first week and I was taken out um on location to sort of see what was going on and how it all worked um and I was also taken to the studio um and saw a bit going on there before I actually started off rehearsals. So that was my first week. And then I started the rehearsals on the Monday. And I remember sitting in the canteen and thinking, oh, I'm at home. I felt so happy and fulfilled because, you know, I loved radio, don't get me wrong. I really loved radio because you can be people that you can't be physically and you can play scenes that you couldn't play physically um and it's a real challenge but I felt as though I was it was I was at home it was I can't explain it any other way 
in that first week, there were a lot of people around me, a couple of producers at the hotel that I was staying at, who were all sort of saying, well, you know, how are you going to cope with this, etc. And I remember thinking, oh, yeah, well, it's a challenge, but it, I'm, I'm acting, you know, it's, it's what I've been doing for a living for quite some time now. But there was one, one producer, and he did a lot of comedy shows, and I can't remember his name now because I never worked for him, but he had done a lot for Yorkshire Television. And I remember him saying to me, Jean, do it your own way. Do it your own way. And then it sort of made me realise that a lot of people were kind of pushing me towards doing it in certain ways. I was given videos of Catherine playing Dolly and so on. And I remember looking at it and thinking, you know, I could really act her. Yes, I can see, you know, there's mannerisms there and I could really sort of just be Catherine playing Dolly. And then I thought, well, that's all right. In scripts where Catherine has played Dolly doing that and being that. But what happens when it's a new experience for Dolly? Do I have to then say, well, how would Catherine tackle this? How would she think that Dolly would work? You know, far too convoluting. And if you think, well, I just talked about Hamlet, didn't I? Say I was cast as Ophelia. How many other actresses have played Ophelia over the centuries? And they've not done, they've not said, well, I'll do it like Ellen Terry did it, or I'll do it like that. They, they look at it and say, what can I bring to the part? And thank goodness, by the time of the end of that first week of rehearsal and we went into the studio, I, I felt that I was beginning to know Dolly, really, from what I'd got. It's a long explanation, but does that help you? <laughs> it does, it does. Distinct Nostalgia is produced by MIM, and if you like what we do, then please consider supporting us on Patreon. Every penny helps us to make even more amazing content just for you. Go to distinctnostalgia.com and click on the donate button. Thank you. Right, testing in two, one, two. And there's another bonus soap treat now over on Distinct Nostalgia's sister podcast, Kelly's Heroes. I've got another terrific actor for you. Where queer as folk star Craig Kelly regularly catches up with some of his showbiz friends for a chat about life and to reminisce about the old times. When she burst on our screens, it's safe to say she smashed it out of the park. And he's recently been catching up with none other than East Enders legend. Tamsin Althwaite. You do get a bit nervous of the people that you recognise, because I was an EastEnders fan before. It wasn't like I need to make a big splash. You just want to be truthful to what you're, you like, serve the piece. Serve the script and make sure that you're as realistic as possible. They were golden time. I really enjoyed working there. That's Kelly's Heroes, with EastEnders star Tamsin Althwaite. Kelly's Heroes. Mate, that was beautiful. <laughs> Search for Kelly's Heroes wherever you get your podcasts. I will speak to you anon. New to distinct nostalgia. Dale, how the hell did I end up here? Based on a true story. What choice do you have? Tell the world that Rock Hudson is gay? You're a good-looking kid. I don't have anyone else on my books like you. How about I start to represent you? A moving 40-minute drama based on the life and career of Rock Hudson. Yes! Good boy. You 
just made the best decision of your life. Written by Tim Fountain and starring Michael Xavier and Betty Bourne. Rock! Rock? Strong! Masculine! Rock Fitzgerald? Not Fitzgerald. Sounds Irish. Nebraska, Washington, Hudson. Hudson. What about Rock Hudson? Get your coat on. I'm going to introduce Rock Hudson to Hollywood. Coming to Distinct Nostalgia on the 2nd of October to mark the 35th anniversary of his death. we got to do something about your voice, kid. We're going to snap your vocal cords. What? Ah. Uh, louder. Ah. Uh, louder. Uh, Listen here on the Distinct Nostalgia podcast or go to distinctnostalgia.com. Look, Dale. I'm dying of this godforsaken disease and... Pretty soon thousands, maybe millions, will die the same way. Tell us a little bit about some of the other actors and characters then. Obviously, Sheila Mercier, who's only just, only recently died at age yeah. 100. So. Um, what, what, what were they, you know, what was she like? What was the old guy, the old man that played the granddad? Oh, uh, Toke, Toke. Toke. What was he like? Oh, Toke. I'll tell you first about Toke. Toke, Toke. Freddie warned me about Toke, who was... Just lovely, such fun, such a very complex person, but very, very professional, except that (laughs) he said, Freddie said, you'll do lots of scenes with Toke, he said, and he'll get it. He said, you'll get it right, he said, and Toke will keep getting it wrong, he said, until you get to the 12th take and you'll get it wrong and he'll get it right. And that's the one they'll have. And he was, and he used to say we'd we'd be behind the um, the farm door, coming into the kitchen, and he'd say, "Ready, all eyes and teeth," and then the door would open, and we'd come in to do our scene. He was, he was, he was lovely. Was Toke, and he said to me after I'd been in the show about oh four or five weeks, he said, "Just to let you know," he said, "Sheila approves of you." <laughs> And I said, oh, really? Because I didn't know. Oh, yes, he said. You, you, you know, you were, um, she was watching you. So, uh, but, but she, Sheila was very, always very professional. Um, and, you know, you, she, we felt as though we were mother and daughter in a way. That kitchen was fabulous, wasn't it? Fabulous kitchen. <laughs> yes. I mean, those big, uh, what do they call them? The, um... Argus. Do you yeah, mean the Argus? Oh. Yeah. I've, I've not got one, but I've always wanted one just because of Emmerdale. It was well, fantastic. <laughs> well, you live up in the north. I thought they all had Argus. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was, there's certain things about that show back then which were quite sort of um, quite iconic. And I, I as a schoolboy, I went on the on the trip round uh, Esholt and up to the farm and all the rest of it because, of course, it was done out at the farm, which was quite a long way away from the village, wasn't it? Yes. Uh, the farm was out in uh, Otley somewhere, near Otley somewhere, was it, or something? Quite yeah. a way out, wasn't it? Yeah, you went down through Poole um, Valley. Um, and it, yeah, uh, was it, oh, what was it? No, there was another name of that area because it was near the Horton Forks' um, big house. It was all around that area. Matt and Dolly lived next door, didn't is that right? Am I right in saying they live next door to the farm? Well, first, we also had a little flat that was upstairs. Yeah, that that was built onto it. Yeah, we, we, we had a connecting door, which must have driven Dolly mad, really. 
that she that was why she wanted a place of her own and that was one of the tragedies when it burnt down you know Crossgill yeah an in, interconnecting door and Matt Matt the character Matt because um because his wife his first wife who was Annie's daughter had died he inherited uh, elements of Emmerdale Farm, didn't he? He inherited some sort of joint ownership of, of Emmerdale Farm. That's where his connection came from, wasn't it? In terms of, you know, oh, I never knew about right. that, love. <laughs> I never knew about that. That was before your time. Yes. <laughs> no, but I, I presume so. I mean, she looked on him as a, a lot of people down south, friends of mine who started to watch it more because it used to go out at five o'clock when I first went in to it. It wasn't until EastEnders happened that, well, before EastEnders that we went to seven o'clock and then EastEnders came in and, of course, they started at seven not looking in the London area on the schedules. They thought, oh, there's no, no soap there on a Tuesday and a Thursday at seven. That's fine. Um, and um, but of course the rest of the country, everywhere else, Northern Ireland as well. You know, up in Scotland, every you, you, Lancashire and Yorkshire, all going out at seven. And of course they didn't get the ratings for the first six months, and then they had to say, "Oh, we're much more grown up. We're going at seven thirty. So um, yeah, so it was five o'clock originally, and my friends, yeah, they they enjoyed it. Well, it was, it was actually it was actually done in lots of it was done at different at one point in the early eighties and late seventies early eighties it came on in different times in different regions. Uh, Yorkshire always always tended to give it you know top billing at seven o'clock. Yes, yes. But a lot of regions would would put it on at five o'clock or some places kept kept it early part of the day at half one or whatever because it was afternoon soap originally, wasn't it? You know, so it, it was a long time before it became everybody doing the same thing at the same time kind of thing. You know. Used to have a holiday at Christmas time, didn't it? It was off for a few months, few months around Christmas time. From the right. Uh, no, what what happened was when I first joined, but it didn't last that long as such. But we didn't. We had a break. The cast had a break. Uh, July, sort of time. We had um, the summer off, and. Um, then we had to catch up and you had the double stranding. So when you say, oh, it was easy because it was only two and there was the break, actually I hadn't been there very long and everybody was saying, just to warn you, double stranding, double stranding. And what we did then was we walked around with 12 scripts in our hands and we had two different directors and teams and so you had to look, read your scripts in storyline and then sort of divide your brain into... Because one week you'd be filming for one director on location and be in the studio for the other director. So you really were holding 12 scripts in your, in your head at that time. That must have, that, that must have been a, a, a nightmare. Um, so in terms of your your character and, and Matt's character, I said earlier on that you, you sort of had, you know, you were sort of, yeah, there was bits of elements of fun and whatever, but you were quite, it was quite, you were quite a serious couple and, and quite a lot of serious things happened mm. to the pair of you, you know, over the years. Mm. Can you recall some of the storylines that you had to get your teeth into? Oh, yes. Well, first of all, coming into the show, having had the stillbirth, then um, she was given a job at the 
play group with children. Um, then she had a miscarriage, which actually was, uh, it was a good storyline to do because it was amazing how many women, you know, sort of were pleased to see that whole trauma on the screen. Um, and then, then, she, then she did get pregnant and when you say that it was something new that I brought because I, you know, my character was played by somebody else and I took it over, I also was one of the first to have a way of bringing the, a child into the studio as though the child was mine. Um, they didn't want to get Dolly pregnant because of the problems they'd had with the twins. Um, and as I said when they were talking about it, well, you know, if you've got two babies, the one that's crying is not going to be influenced by the one that isn't crying, whereas the one that isn't crying will be influenced. So you're bound to have mayhem, you know, crying babies and so on. And what we did with Sam, the little boy Sam, who was played by Benjamin, Benjamin Whitehead, um, his mother, he was, Ben was only two weeks old, I think, when I first met him. And she agreed that she would come to the dressing room with Ben, who was baby in arms, hand him to me. Then I would go to, off to the studio and he was mine then. She would watch. She'd come into the studio and, and watch on the monitor. But she wouldn't interfere and she certainly never let him know where she was. So that it, there was never a conflict of, oh, I, you know, I want, I want a wee-wee or I want a drink or whatever, or I've got a pain. He would always turn to me, not her. And I was mama. He called me mama and he called her mummy. And that was another thing that I set up with her. And, um, and it worked, it worked. And I used to talk with the props people and have various you know, have enough toys around so that he could play. Um, and then he would he would often just chat to me during the scene and I'd sort of answer him back and then get on with whatever serious conversation I really had. So it worked, it worked. Um, so I was quite proud of that. And, of course, he did the same with, um, with Freddie. Um, you know, Freddie and I got very used to working with this little chap and when he was toddling and we'd be in the farmyard and, and um, we'd have to do this scene going down the garden path or whatever and we'd start at the distance and then move forward uh, and then they'd say, no, cut, go again. He would end up trotting back to the mark. He was so, he got so used to it all. I mean, you know, it was just... And he used to say... Mummy, mummy at home or mummy at the farm, you know. So it was worth all the hard work there. Oh, that's brilliant. That's brilliant. So, did you feel that um, you know? Did, did you feel comfortable in in the role of as Dolly? Then, did you feel after time over time? Did you feel did you feel as though it was a part that was was made for you, or, or what? I felt very protective. She, to me, she was like a very sort of special sister who was a really kind generous person and needed a bit of protecting 
um, that people might think she was a bit boring, but I knew she wasn't. And, you know, as an actress, I'd love to have played the bitch. I mean, the scenes I had with, with um, Claire, you know, as Kim, <laughs> um, and I was the housekeeper and they developed um, Kim Tate into this sort of wonderful bitch part. I'd have loved that, but this was the character I was playing and it was a responsibility and... Yeah, yeah, I liked her. I liked her. And that helps. You know, some of the other characters who were in it at the time, and there's so many iconic characters in, in the early Emmerdale, really. You know, Amos and Mr. Wilkes. What can you tell us? I mean, those two actors were real characters themselves, weren't they? You know, when I came into Emmerdale, nearly all of those original um, actors were a bit like me. They'd started off in theatre. And so they had a really solid solid acting background behind them you know I'm not saying it's the only way to become an actor um, and a lot of young people bite you know cut their teeth on television and that's great but they had a certain professionalism because of the way in which theatre works you know you um, there aren't as many perks as you can get in television or film and uh, you know you you have to put up with a lot and, and so they were so, so rehearsing, and we did have rehearsals then. Nowadays, you you don't. You, you kind of do what we did on location. And that, again, that was so strange. You'd go out on location. You'd meet actors to playing these characters. You'd never met them before. Maybe it was the first time you were working with that director. And you did scenes. Whereas you went into the studio and you had this wonderful four days of rehearsing everything, knowing where you were going to move, thinking about what the scene was all about and so on. Um, and then you had the day in the studio running through all the scenes and, you know, recording them. So, yeah, I was, it was a strange mix in that way. But all of them, um, Ronnie and Arthur playing... Um, Mr. Wilkes and Namos, um, very different from who they played, um, and just great actors, great professional people. Very, you could really rely on them, you know. And they brought they brought an element of comedy to the program, didn't yes, they? Really? Yes, yes, yeah. Like a, they were like um, they were like um, husband and wife, really, weren't they? They were like an old married couple, basically. Yeah, or the, the odd couple, you know, the film The, the Odd, odd couple. couple. Yeah, that's what yeah. they were like, yeah. Exactly. The, there was a guy in the programme who was in it for years and years and years and never said anything <gasps> and just propped up the bar. Yes. I was thinking about him the other day. Ah, oh, and I, I remembered his name. He, he was, Walter. He play, Walter was what he played, but I'm trying to think of his... Of his and I, it came to me the other day and it's gone now. But he was an old music hall artist, you know. A lot of um, uh, walk-ons, extras in the past used to be, you know, they do their summer seasons um, and they had pantomime at Christmas. But then there were periods in between the summer season ending and pantomime beginning where they started playing small parts, being background in television and he was one of them and he almost became a mascot and the reason I was thinking of him the other day was that I was just remembering that when he died 
Um, we had a little service for him in Pool Valley, just down the road from um, Leeds. And uh, I sang, The Boy I Love is Up in the Gallery. You know, it goes, there he is, can't you see? Waving of his handkerchief. Um, and it was almost as though he was there. Oh, how sweet that you've mentioned him. <laughs> yeah, I just always, always remember him. It was just like, you know, I think it's the same with EastEnders. There's a couple of extras in that who were in it for years and years and years. Mm. And you just always remember them, you know. Um, the person we can't, we mustn't forget and talk about, of course, is he's still going strong. He's still doing things. Is of course, um, uh, you know, um, Joe Fraser Hines. I mean, he was very much. He, oh, he was part oh, yeah. parcel of Emmerdale, wasn't he? He was. He was the main bit of Emmerdale in many ways. Oh yes, yeah. yeah. I spoke to him last night, <laughs> Fraser. Yeah, yeah. Yes, he was a bit peed off when they when they killed his character off. They didn't do that with me, but. But he, well, he was he was he was a bit of a he was a bit of a sex symbol in his day, wasn't oh, he? Oh really? yes, yeah, 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 yeah. And, and there was always the rivalry, of course, between him and Jack, wasn't there? Joe and Jack. Yes. There was a big rivalry between them, you know, because Jack wanted to be a didn't want to be a farmer, did he? He wanted to right. write books and things. Yeah, that's right. Yes, because Clive, Clive, who played Jack, he came back into the show um, just a few weeks in television time before I did, about maybe six weeks before, maybe less than that, um, because Andrew Burt had played Jack years and years before and they decided they'd bring the character back from Italy where he'd gone off to write because I think Andrew went off to be in a, a television programme about um, submarines, wasn't it? <laughs> Having talked about submarines earlier. yeah. Yes, so so Clive came in and did the same as me, but of course, um, Jack hadn't been on screen for a few years then. Now you were all obviously busy making the program. You travelled to travel up from the south and stayed there in a hotel and all the rest of it. Did you have much time as a team? You know, you and Fraser and uh, uh, Freddie and everybody to sort of socialise and enjoy Leeds and the surrounding area. I mean, did you get used to the area? Did you get to know people or? It's difficult to say, really, because because I'd got a young family down south, I'd drive up on a Monday morning and then I'd, as soon as the studio was finished on a Friday night, I'd be in my car going down the motorway. And then in the evening, one was, uh, you know, after you finished rehearsal or the studio, you, you'd, be, uh, you'd be learning lines, really. So we didn't in that way, but there were various... The way in which we did... Um, socialise was we did a lot particularly Freddie introduced me to doing a lot of work for charity in the area um, and eventually I ended up living up in Yorkshire and you know I got remarried up there and my daughter came to to live with me up there and then eventually my son um, and I used to find most of my weekends I'd be at some uh, charity garden party or at the town hall or whatever. There seemed to be a lot going on in that way. Um, but but there were times when we would get together, yeah, to celebrate things. It was it was adopted by people in Yorkshire as their programme, wasn't it? Everyone oh, liked yes. Anybody, if you, whether you were in Hull or Doncaster or wherever, Emmerdale was, was our soap. 
basically, if you lived in Yorkshire. Oh, our, yeah. You know, the one we, we flew the flag for, you know, for, for, for Emmerdale. That the, the Yorkshire folk had their opinion too, and they'd let you know. Um, so, again, there was such a responsibility. And when my character um, had faced having an abortion, which came as a bit of a surprise to me in the writing and to the production team, and unfortunately it was done very rushed, so they were, you couldn't even work out completely why she was having it, you know. They used to say to me, oh, that were a bit of a rum-do. <laughs> Things like that. But, um, you know, you, you had to make, you had to, that's what soaps are about. You make it work, you make it, you find something real about it and you find that and you do it and, uh, yeah. Now, where you were working, Yorkshire Television, at that time, it was quite a magical place, wasn't it, really? Because you got Emmerdale there, but you got all these fabulous programmes, comedies, Only When I Laugh, Rising Damp, I think, had finished by the time you got there. But there was all these brilliant programs that were being made for the ITV network, the famous programs. But then you'd also got, you know, you got Richard Whiteley and Calendar. I mean, that was huge. He was huge. He was, he was Mr. Yorkshire, wasn't he? You know what? What was it like to work at that that studio? Because it's probably it's in fact it's the only ITV studio that's still in existence. Actually, the only one left of all of them. You know what was it like to work at Kirkstall Road? It was it was very exciting. Oh yes, it was exciting. And the other thing was Leeds was exciting too. There was I'd never seen so many restaurants and so on. You know, and and. And also the Yorkshire folk, they all like to eat out, you know. They, 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 they got their money and they spent it. And um, whereas down south, everybody was on their credit cards, you know. And uh, um, what I did miss, though, up there, which we had down south and still do, were the pubs where you could take the children and sit in the garden and, and have a nice meal and all that sort of thing. It was all working men's clubs up there, which, of course, I got to know very much because of raising money for charity and going along and signing autographs and photos. Um, but, yeah, it, it was an exciting... I mean, it's even more exciting now if you're a student at the university in Leeds. Well not during lockdown, but before, uh, all those great restaurants and things going on. I loved Yorkshire. It was just so cold. That's the only thing. <laughs> Where did you end up living in Yorkshire then when you found somewhere to live? I had a, had a little place. Um, well, eventually I ended up in, in uh, Horsforth. Horsforth. Um, but what was, where was I just, just down the road from, oh God, it's so long ago, isn't it? Down the road from Horsforth, um, on the way to um, the fish and chip place. Uh, that's at Geisley, isn't it? Between Geisley and Horsforth. Can you remember? Yeadon. Yeadon, that's it. I had a little, <laughs> I had a uh, two up, two down in Yeadon first. Rather than being at a hotel, I mean, I was still living down south then, uh, and then then um, my marriage sort of finally broke up, and uh, I moved up and uh, sold that and bought a place in Horsforth. And, and back in the in the program, of course, you and Matt also split up, didn't you? Eventually, yes, yes. I had this wonderful, wonderful six episodes of. Um, of a kind of brief encounter, which Michael Russell, who was, 
he he was one of the writers on the show and he became the uh, producer for a while. And uh, he wrote these six episodes for her, like a brief encounter. And it was with the tree fella fella, which was, he was a tree fella of the fella. So, uh, yeah, that could almost have been six episodes in itself, you know. It, um, and it was a shame, really, because with the classic Emmerdales that have gone out, it started after Michael Russell left, so it was the next producer, um, the one who sacked me. Um, so it didn't start from the uh, brief encounter, sadly. So people just saw me as an actor that I know, a younger actor. He said to me, he said, why were you so horrible to that poor Matt? Why, what, what had you done? <laughs> so I had to explain about the true fella fella. <laughs> um, just, just aside from that, on our platform, Distinct Nostalgia, if you get a chance to have a listen to any of the interviews we've done, we've done an interview on there with Margaret Barton, who is the last surviving uh, actor from Brief Encounter, the film in 1945. Oh, no, really? or she played the little girl in the, uh, in the shot, in the, um, you know, in the railway station cafe. Um, 93 and she's only just recently got married so she's one no. of the her and her husband are the oldest newlyweds in Britain I think oh, or something wow. so you I get will. a chance to listen it's I a lovely, it's a lovely yeah. she talks about working with Celia Johnson and Trevor Howard and all mm. that sort of thing. Um, yeah so you start you started in 1980 Emmerdale was a particular kind of program then very popular doing really well all the rest of it and then the sort of EastEnders came along and, and, and blazed a trail in its own way. Coronation Street was altering and changing. And then they decided that they needed to change Emmerdale as well, didn't they? What, could you remember that period? And, and what did you sort of all feel about it? Yeah, we, we, we used to have um, monthly chats with the producer. Um, it, it, was, it was something that was a tradition, which was really rather nice. So it's a bit like when you're in theatre and you have a company meeting. Um, and there was a lot, you could feel a lot of pressure. And when I talked about Michael Russell, who was a, such a gifted writer, um, he was under pressure to, you know, to, to make it more racy and all that sort of thing. And I know, let frankly you know dolly's brief encounter was you know was racy um but i think there was pressure to to make it sort of slightly tacky which it it wasn't you know um that, that one could i could understand why dolly was in that situation because crossgill had happened her hopes of a home with just matt there and not not being sort of you know, being a, a housewife in her own, you know, her own way without Ma always around, who she loved dearly, but she needed to get away from it. And when it went up in smoke, um, Matt's attitude was was almost like relief because, you know, he liked it with Ma there, you know. It was, it, it was, it suited his nature and so on. And... I don't think he really, under, I never felt that he quite understood that Dolly had more sort of longings, really. It wasn't that she didn't love him and Sam. I mean, Sam was very precious, but she she just needed more from life, needed more to be in control, really. 
Um, and then this happened, you know, this, this, this guy kind of came in on the scene. Um, and she had this terrible tug. What do I do? What do I do? And in fact, she sort of sent him off. So, you know, she didn't run away with him. And then <laughs> because the actor was asking, he, he did the six episodes, and because he was asking for a little bit more money um, for the episode, for staying on, the new producer decided to kill him off. So he, And they killed him off, off screen, in an accident that Dolly heard on the radio while she was in the kitchen that this someone had been killed out on a surf. And that was it. And I had this wonderful, wonderful fan letter from a woman who said to me, she said, well, she said, I'm so disappointed. I shall never watch Emmerdale again. She said, every, every time I've listened in, I do my ironing while I'm in. And I couldn't wait for Dolly and the tree fella to get to bed, she said. And it's never going to happen. And she said, so I shall never watch it again. <laughs> I've had mental health problems, I think, for most of my life. Suicide is sadly something which affects people from all backgrounds. My friends didn't quite understand why I was being the way I was being, so support was, was pretty much non-existent. A brand new podcast. Brought to you by the Zero Suicide Alliance. I'm Professor Alice Roberts and this is Life Matters. Few people understand that you just actually just need to just sit and listen to what the person's saying. We do know that there are some people who tend to be more at risk than others. In our feature on the latest initiatives from around the world, we find out how three schoolgirls from Brazil have developed a suicide prevention app aimed at Generation Z. If something bad happened to me today, I'll go there and add a drop of water. We're with the team at Hollyoaks to hear how they've been showing how soap can inspire life-saving conversations among men at risk of suicide. I just feel absolutely nothing at all. Nothing, just dead. This way you get to see Darren's journey behind the scenes. He's really struggling and he doesn't know how to reach out. He doesn't know how to get help. You know, it's always been this taboo subject. Join me, Professor Alice Roberts, for the very first edition of Life Matters. Listen now, wherever you get your podcasts. And visit ZeroSuicideAlliance.com for a free online awareness course that could help you save lives. If nobody was told what you were meant to do, if there weren't any rules, we would be living in a totally different format. A brand new podcast featuring rarely heard voices from across the UK and around the world. Bisexuality is not really understood because people have biphobic tendencies. And the second you mention bisexual, just their ears pick up. Contemporary conversations around bisexuality. Oh, well, you, you're still confused, right? No, I'm not confused. We are questioned so much more than people when they come out as straight or gay. It's intense pressure of like, am I sure? You're literally like monitoring yourself. Every episode will include a very personal story as we try to paint a real picture of bisexual Britain. This is Bisexual Brunch. Available now wherever you get your podcasts. You mentioned that a couple of times, uh, Dolly um, in the kitchen um, washing up and things. I, I always remember, I always have a vision of you stood there washing up. I don't know what it is. There was a lots of scenes washing up, weren't there, over the time, over the years? 
you remember rightly. Do you remember that? <laughs> I always remember. I don't know what it was. It was always you're always there at the window washing up. Yes, that's right. <laughs> looking out, looking out at the window, either with Ma at the table or or my in Dolly's kitchen with Matt coming in for his supper or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Taking 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 his boots off or his shoes off or whatever and all that kind of stuff. I mean, stuff it was uh, that I think was one of the reasons why Yorkshire folk. And, and folk elsewhere liked the programme because it, it was comfortable. I mean, you watch it now and it's very slow because fashions have changed. Um, the, 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 there's, you know, that's one of the things. But the other thing that would I rather liked, um, Freddie and I went down to Smithfield's market a couple of times where we had the, you know, where we had the opportunity to meet up with farmers from all over the country, Welsh farmers, you know, Scottish farmers, farmers from Lancashire as well as Yorkshire, then from Sussex where I came from, and um, they, they were, you know, they liked the program. They liked the program because it reflected the seasons as they saw them. What they would say to us. Um, if they weren't from Yorkshire, was mm, well, that was a bit funny, you know. We don't, and then we'd say, well, that's what they do in Yorkshire, <laughs> you know, because there are different ways of doing things with sheep and cattle and so on. That was quite comforting because you felt that you actually were creating some kind of reality. Uh, but that was the dilemma, and to go back to your other question, I think that was the dilemma for the network: where actually to place this soap because it was a soap because it had continuing characters continuing sets um where to put it in the soap scene because soaps generally particularly now you know anything goes and you can do it and and also it it had started to get very competitive particularly with um for ITV with with the BBC creating the EastEnders, which had become very popular down south. Um, and so there was that feeling that they had to compete. It, it's been interesting with the classic Emmerdale's going out, how many people, and young people too, have, have tweeted to me that there are some things that they quite liked about that pace and getting to know the characters more. And when you are surprised, like everybody was, when Dolly went off, Dolly went off the rails, Dolly, you know, um, it, it's much more dramatic, actually, than dropping a plane on a village, in a, because that's one off, you know. I still think Emmerdale has kept elements of its original premise, you know what I mean? There, yeah. are, there are elements, if you watch it now, you, it does feel like Emmerdale still, you've still got... But obviously you don't have the emphasis on the farming and all that kind of stuff in the same way. Uh, but there are people, of course, who stayed there for a long time. The, 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 the actor who played Alan Turner was in it for many, oh, many yes, years. He, he, bridged the, he bridged the gap, didn't he, between the two sort of types of Emmerdale. And, and the guy who played Seth also carried on for quite a while as Stan, well. So yeah. There were people who carried on, you know, for a period of time. I just think it was sad that we lost people... Uh, like, um, you know, uh, Joe, Fraser Hines, who, you know, some, sometimes I feel as though you need to have that, you know, to, to bring on the old, the, you know, the audience that loved it at the beginning, you need to keep some of those elements there 
It's like when they brought Crossroads back and killed off a Jill in Crossroads. You know, me as somebody who watched it originally, not going to watch it again because it's like, well, the element of the the essence of it is gone, hasn't it? You know yeah. what I mean? Yes. And that's, that's the sad thing, really. Um, and if you look at EastEnders and Coronation Street, they've both got people in it who were there right at the very beginning. Yes. And they've carried on all the way through, you know. Yeah, so. we've only got, you've got Chris, haven't you, who plays uh, Eric Pollard. But really, that that's all you've got. But, the, you know, bringing back um, Claire as Kim is, is an interesting way of revitalising it for other people as well, giving an interest. What was the original, what was his name, the original vicar in it? Oh, Hugh, Hugh played um, Hugh Manning. Was did he play it? Was it Reverend Hinton? I think it was. It was. Yes. It was. Yeah. yeah. God, you are making me stretch my <laughs> brain, aren't you? God. Well, the other the other things, of course, that you don't hear as much of now, uh, because it was always um, there's the Wolfpack, obviously, and it was set in. Uh, you often heard Beckingdale back oh, in yeah. the day. You don't hear that as much now. It's obviously just just here, Emmerdale. And, of course, people, I think they still say they're going to Hot, Hotton, which I think was supposed to be Otley or something. In yes, reality. that's right, Otley, um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So the little things, you're, you know, sort of have remained, I think. Yeah. What do you think to the fact that, you know, it's, um, I was born in 1972, Emmerdale started a month before I was born, so it's 40, ooh, 48 this year, nearly 50. I mean... It's amazing, isn't it? Really, that that it's still going in a way, in the sense that I mean, I, I mean, I spoke. I suppose soaps are the great, you know, they're great survivors, aren't they? In, in a way, but I mean, what do you think to the fact that it's been it's lasted nearly fifty years? Well, I think it that that shows that it's found uh, an echo in people's lives that it can last that long. Um, I mean, I I think we underestimate how important soaps are, and I think we have sometimes. I think when they get too sensational, they miss the point of what they're there for. They're a continuity. Uh, the reason my mother loved Emmerdale was she was fighting with leukaemia. She was like, not as bad as the people with the virus fighting that because they can't even watch anything because they're generally on a ventilator or whatever. But she, for her... Emmerdale gave her a feeling of continuity. It gave her something that made her feel reassured about life and life's continuity and so on. And one of the good things, and you you talked about how Matt and Dolly were quite serious. Yes, we were serious because we were very ordinary, but as a couple, they 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 had a lot of awful things happening to them or possibly happening to them. Um, I mean, Dolly was kidnapped at one point. She she was kidnapped. <laughs> and uh, Jack, uh, well, it was, yes, Jack, Joe and, and um, Matt had to, to, to find her and rescue her. Um, you know, they lost babies. They, they, were, they went through a divorce. But it, people do manage to come through these things. And I think a soap can give them that feeling of hope. Oh, Dolly managed to overcome that. Or, you know, Joe didn't let that get him down or whatever. And it's, it's, it is a comfort. Um, 
people in Yorkshire didn't always... There were, there were times, I had a couple of occasions, one after I'd left, when someone said, this old guy, I was in a, in a, outside of Leeds in a little post office, and he went, ah, he said, has anyone ever told you you're like that woman on, on Emmerdale? And there, there were other people around, and I thought, oh, I haven't the heart to say yes, I am, because he was so convinced I wasn't. <laughs> so... So I said, oh, really? Oh, yeah. Oh, well, that's interesting. And then there was another woman who came up to me and said, I know you, don't I? I know you. Did you used to work at Roses? <laughs> because, you know, you're in their home. You, you, you're part of, very much a part of their life. It's a huge responsibility. And one I did enjoy, I must say. How did you feel about leaving? Um... <sighs> The, the show, well, Freddie left, had left. Um, Fraser had left for a while, but he came back, though it wasn't the same thing. We had a new producer who, you know, lasted for a certain amount of time. He had different ideas. And it, it wasn't easy. And I kind of thought it was going to happen. I, I kind of thought... He brought in new characters and he did say to me at one time, you know, I could have I could have got rid of your character. And I thought, hmm, I don't think so. I think people quite like Dolly, thank you very much. But he decided, you know, he'd, he'd, he'd keep her in. Um, yeah, I, I was sad, but I was in, kind of, in a way I was relieved because something was missing at that time. Um, I think it was it was brought back again, but it wasn't a and it was. I was going to say the, the the writer, of course, the creator. He, um, I know, he wasn't very happy with the changes, was he? He didn't really warm to the what because he created this particular thing and it was completely altering before his eyes, wasn't it? You yeah, know? yeah. I mean, he he was he was fine with how it was going until the period I'm talking about. And that was before before the, the plane crash and all that sort of thing, which was another way, really, to sort of get rid of characters, I think. Um, and it's a shame, really, because I don't think it's the characters that are often the problem. I think it's, it's, it's the way in which they want the, the series to go, you know? Because most of those characters were well drawn, and over the years, of course, several of them came. I mean, Sheila kept coming back oh, occasionally. Yeah. They never got rid of her. They never killed Sheila off. Um, uh, uh, you know, Annie's character. They never killed you off. Would you, if they suddenly decided we want Dolly back all these years later, would you go back? It's funny, you know, when I first left, and people kept saying, "Oh." why don't you go back? You must go back and all that sort of thing. And I used to have these nightmares that I had gone back because I thought, no, you, you must never go back. I, 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 nightmares that I was out on the farm and I hadn't got the right script and <laughs> I had no idea. And I was going to let, you know, they'd say, oh, they brought her back and she, oh, she's rubbish and all that sort of thing. Um, but it's interesting because with it going out and sort of revisiting and seeing her again and 
as I say, a number of people have said, oh, I did like the character, or I do like the character, and so on. And then with, with Claire as Kim back in, I kind of think, well, actually, you know, there's a link-up between Dolly and Kim, which could be quite interesting, especially if Kim is, you know, the real arch-bitch. Um, and Dolly, it would be interesting to see how Dolly is now. And it would be, it would be a challenge, whereas it wouldn't have been a challenge before. So in the very unlikely event, because people say, oh, why did you go back? Why did you work? I say, they don't realise it's got nothing to do with us. We're just, we're just actors. We're freelancers. You know, our fate is in everybody's hands except ours. Um, and actually, it's the fans that have the power. If the fans want, it, want something and they make enough fuss about it, then there's a possibility. But... To ask us is pointless. Well, for, for me, it'll always be Emmerdale Farm. I think the, the, the guy who plays Marlon in Emmerdale um, often says when he's been interviewed and things that he grew up watching Emmerdale Farm. And for him, it, it still remains the Emmerdale Farm. They dropped the farm name, didn't they, of course, and just called it Emmerdale. Yes. Um, but it's just, um, I still think, you know, I still think it, I still think it, I mean, I think the great thing about it actually is the fact that you, even though a lot of it is based on the, you know, the the, the very um, intriguing lives that they all seem to li live 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 in the in the dales now, you know, everyone's a better, you know, jumping into bed with each other all the time, and there's all this that and the other happening. But the great thing about it is, in a way, for, for watching it, a bit like Last of the Summer Wine, is seeing that countryside, seeing that mm. that outdoors, those, you know, the actual village. I know they've built a, a set now and all the rest of it. But it does feel authentic and it's nice to get that connection, which you don't get with the others really in that same way. You know, That is like the that. strength of the programme. And I think when you said about, you know, how did you feel, the, the, the cast were worried that, I mean, we lost Farm. I'd, I'd been in the show about five years then. I mean, most of the, almost half the time it was Emmerdale when I was in it. Um, but there and there were moves you could feel that the um, ITV was wanting to make it into something less rural, um, and we all did feel, particularly Arthur and Ronnie, felt very strongly that that was something that made it unique, as you're saying now. But of course, you have to. It, it makes more problems with with so much of that uncontrolled filming going on so and, and costs are always important when you're making programs but it would be a shame to lose that because I think that's one of the reasons why it's lasted is the background and that is totally different to to the other soaps totally different yeah. um and, and of course important. it has a it has a lovely iconic theme tune of yes. course written yes. by Tony Hatch da, da, da. He was still going strong. Yes, yes, definitely. <laughs> he, he did Crossroads, Neighbours and Emmerdale. So, uh, you know, if, I think that's the other thing. If they ever change the theme tune, then that's that's the writing on the wall for me. If they change the theme tune, it's... it's that's <laughs> it. Job's off. <laughs> I don't even remember seeing the royal family, um, as in, um, you know, um, the, the TV series, the yeah. comedy, the royal family. In parts of that, they used to, they used to all hum 
the Emmerdale theme tune together and then switch it off when it came off. (laughs) (laughs) So looking back, for a lot of people, you've done lots and lots and lots of things over the years, but for a lot of people, you will always be Dolly in their minds, won't you? How does that feel? And did Emmerdale help or hinder you? Well, it's a great privilege if I'm Dolly in their minds. That that would be my first thing. I never regret it. I do get fed up when people say, oh, I was so up, but I've done other things, you know, and all that. No, because, because it brought about lots of lovely things for me. And, um, yeah, <laughs> I've got my husband going, me, for example. Wow. Yeah, all right, thank you. Uh, but... Um, what was the other bit of your question? <laughs> I said, was it was it was it was it um, was it a help or a hindrance? You oh, know, was it often they, often people say about soaps that they can be sort of are they a blessing or a curse, as it were? Yeah, I think it, it possibly is both. Though I think one of the reasons why coming out of it, I didn't really go on to other things. Sometimes. You know, it's because you are identified. But having said that, I wasn't identified with Dolly as much down south. But I was at a, I was a certain age. I was kicking 50. And it's not a good age for an actress in our business. And so um, I can't say that it was Emmerdale's fault. And I think, actually, it was more of an advantage to me because it gave me a confidence. It gave me a confidence and it... And I got to know Yorkshire, which is a beautiful county, as I said, but it's bloody cold. That's the only thing. But um, no, there were lovely things that came from it. I wouldn't regret it at all. Well, Jean, it's been absolutely uh, great speaking to you. I've now managed to think in my mind as you, as Jean. At the beginning, I called you Dolly, but I've (laughs) realised that you are Jean Rogers, not Dolly Skilbeck, (laughs) after all. It would be great, I think, for you to return. I, mean, I can imagine you and Claire King having a having a, a Barney or something, something going on. It'd be brilliant if you could you could return. Maybe maybe the distinct nostalgia listeners will uh, set, start a petition to get you back. Maybe <laughs> <laughs> you never know. But it's been lovely talking to you because I grew up in Yorkshire, and um, you know, Emmerdale was the same. My my soap up the road, you know, and it was it was great to. Uh, and I do remember actually all of you in a way. You mentioned the charity things. I do remember. Emmerdale Farm cast turning up at lots and lots of things. They were always part of the community in Yorkshire, and uh, you know I think it, it really, you know, it really sort of meant something to the people in Yorkshire. So thank you very much indeed for talking to me. No, thank you. It's been lovely to meet you, actually. You're listening to Distinct Nostalgia, home to some incredible interviews with stars from all your favourite soaps. If you enjoyed today's episode, why not head over to distinctnostalgia.com for a treasure trove of programmes just like this. Lisa Williamson of Hollyoaks fame talks about life on the programme. So we all got to know each other quite well. If you were chatting to some of the writers about something you've been getting up to, they would sort of write that in. So you started realising that some of your personality traits would come into the show. And I got the script and I thought, what have I been up to? I got pregnant. I had the child adopted. It was, you know, and you just think, wow, the writers have really gone to town for me today. You know, it's, it was great, fantastic. Andrew Linford and Mark Homer reflect on sharing their first kiss 
based on EastEnders in the 1990s. When the, the Blackpool episode came out, front page of the tabloids, it was like, get this scum off our TV and things like that. Just horrendous stuff. It, it was kind of the start of, of, of a big thing, really, and we're privileged to be involved in, in storylines like that, I really am. And Nick Cochran discusses his life on the street as we continue our celebration of Corrie at 60. They were just brilliant with us, you know, because we were a couple of little sh- who've fortunately found the way into the TV's biggest show without really knowing what they're doing. That's bottom line, that's where me and Simon were at that point. Myself and Simon are old school people. We were brought up properly, mate, and, and so there was a lot of respect then, more than there is now. These programmes and many more are available at distinctnostalgia.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to be notified whenever a new episode becomes available. And if you like what we do, then please consider supporting us on Patreon. Every penny helps us to make even more amazing content just for you. Go to distinctnostalgia.com and click on the donate button. Thank you for listening and bye for now. Distinct Nostalgia is brought to you in partnership with Life Rooms and Mersey Care NHS Foundation Trust. We've lots of activities for you to do at home at liferooms.org. Staying well, staying home.